Good morning, everybody. It's Friday morning, and this is the sports edition of Morning in the Mountains. Now, like we've uh, already gone through a couple of times, there's not a whole lot of sports in the Smoky Mountains right now, so uh, we'll just figure out what we're going to talk about. So, today, you notice I'm wearing gloves. This is not specifically related to COVID, but uh, I got into some uh, poison ivy during the week, and uh, my hands are in really bad shape. So in order to protect myself from all sorts of infections, I'm wearing some gloves. Um, actually, it was a little bit interesting. It wasn't poison ivy. It was good old normal English ivy. What I didn't know is that while the leaves aren't, uh, don't make you allergic like poison ivy or oak or sumac does, the sap from English ivy is every bit as uh, irritating as poison ivy. And I'm pretty susceptible to poison ivy, so I've got it all over my hands, my arms, my face. So, lots and lots of fun. So, gloves. And since I have to wear gloves right now, I thought that a good topic for today is going to be how to use personal protective equipment, or PPE, properly. Uh, a lot of people are wearing gloves out in public because of COVID-19. A lot of people are wearing uh, respirators and dust filter masks. And I'm seeing a lot of people wear them in a way where, uh, how do we put this? They won't get the maximum benefit. We'll put it that way. So I already got some comments. That's good. Uh, let's see. Craig says we need to have an investigation into the Ms. Pac-Man competition with Jim. He, we think he used some uh, enhancements. Well, we'll see what happens because once we get done in here, I will take my turn with Ms. Pac-Man and see what uh, I can do. So Jim, I don't trash talk. I'll just say you're done. All right. Fredo McAllister has his comment over here saying those darn Brits. Yes, English ivy. It's like poison ivy in disguise. It's, it's a subversive trick. So... For those of you who didn't know that like I, like I didn't know it, English Ivy, if you get the sap on, you wash your hands immediately. Otherwise, you get to wear funny-looking blue gloves. So, if I'm going to talk to you about personal protective equipment, or PPE, then I need to give you a little bit about my background. So, you know, understand why, you know, why I'm talking about it, and you understand that I do know a little bit about it. So, I'm going to go take us all the way back to 1984. And in 1984, a young man was invited by the University of Tennessee to take a couple of quarters off and reconsider his educational options. That young man was me, and uh, I went to work for a small convenience store out in Alcoa, and I got robbed at gunpoint. And at that point, I decided that having guns pointed at me is no good, so I joined the military. Um, you know, thus, you understand why they asked me to leave school. I wasn't thinking very clearly at that particular point in time. And I joined the Navy. I went into the Navy and I wanted to get into computers because computers were the big thing in 84. And I was really into them. And they said, we can get you into computers, but it's going to take a year before you can go. And a year of working minimum wage and getting guns pointed at me did not seem to be attractive. And I said, what do you got that I can leave immediately? They said, well, you're pretty smart why don't you become a nuclear reactor operator? Um, and I said, sure, let's do that. 
So one of the first things that you have to learn when you go through uh, nuclear power is you have to learn to protect yourself from the hazards. So I already started learning about PPE at that point, respirators and uh, <clears throat> safety glasses, safety gloves, protective clothing, the whole nine yards. So I was in the Navy until 1993, and then I went to a small island, and we can switch to the side camera here, called Johnston Island. It's Johnston Atoll, and uh, yeah, there's the picture of it. And uh, it's a small uh, coral atoll about 800 miles southwest of Hawaii. And, yep, earthquake. So, uh, like I said, small island about 800 miles southwest of Hawaii, and they used it for a couple of different purposes. One is they stored all the nerve and chemical agents from multiple wars in bunkers out there on that island because it was literally in the middle of nowhere. The other thing they did is they used it for atmospheric testing of nuclear weapons. They would launch them, blow them up in the sky, and measure all the results. <clears throat> well, a couple of the rockets failed. So they had to blow them up on the pad, which spread the uh, nuclear warhead all over the island. So our job was to go out there and clean it up, which was kind of a cool job. But uh, it was interesting because I'm dealing with PPE there for plutonium. I'm also dealing with PPE for chemical and nerve agents. So I've got that training going on. Once I got done out there, I went to work for a company that made biochemical blood analyzers for hospitals and reference labs. So now I get PPE training in biomedical and uh, health research. So I've dealt with personal protective equipment or PPE for, oh, 30, 40 years now. Eventually I got smart and realized it's a whole lot easier and a whole lot more fun to teach people how to do it than to actually go out there and deal with this stuff. So I got into training and that's what I've been doing ever since. And we've got another comment from Fredo McAllister, said he had some smart bosses. Uh, Sir, I believe you have a vested interest in that comment. Uh, Fredo was one of my Navy chiefs in, uh, while I was on the USS Nimitz. And uh, he definitely did teach me a lot. Uh, and I grew up a lot through that experience. So that was pretty cool. And my new boss, Bob Denny, learning more about me every day. Yep. I am an ogre with many layers. Diane Sink is saying uh, hello. So hi, Diane. Oop, didn't quite work. There it goes. I'm getting frank fingers. The screens aren't working for me. So all of that is just to give you a little bit about my background so that you understand that when I start talking about how to wear PPE and how to use it, you understand that I do know a little bit about what I'm, I'm talking about. So let's start with gloves. Gloves are very, very good for keeping us from getting contamination, whether it's nuclear, whether it's biological, uh, whether it's chemical, doesn't matter. Gloves keep our skin protected. Now, the problem with gloves is when I'm dealing with contaminated stuff and I'm picking it up and I'm working on it, and then I do this, or I do this, or I do anything else where I'm touching unprotected skin with my gloves. I've now transferred whatever's on my gloves onto the unprotected skin. And this is the number one problem I see with people wearing gloves. There's a really funny picture on Facebook of a guy standing in a grocery store line. He's got a dust mask that he's pulled down to his chin. 
He's got his gloves on, very similar to these, and he's reaching into a bag of potato chips and eating while he's sitting in line. Okay, loss of the big picture here. If you've got stuff on your hands and you touch your face, touch your skin, now you've got it there. That's what we call cross-contamination. It's not good. We don't want to do that. So one of the things that I do, and parents out here, you'll be right here with me. I try to figure out the most nasty, gross stuff that I can think of. And I imagine that my hands are covered in that as soon as I put these gloves on. And for parents out there, I think of baby poop. Baby poop is an unnatural combination of tar, Velcro, and the nastiest, most foulest smelling stuff in the, on the planet. It gets everywhere and it spreads instantly. So I always assume that the outside of my gloves are covered in baby poop. So when I start to come up to scratch my nose, it's like, nip, no baby poop on the nose. Baby poop on the nose is a bad thing. So make sure if you're wearing gloves, that you're not touching your face, you're not touching other exposed areas, and try to keep from touching everything around you. Don't touch all over the place because now you're creating more contamination. You're spreading it around, okay? Only touch what you have to and don't touch anything else. So the other thing that I'm seeing people do when they wear gloves is they take them off improperly. Now, if you imagine that the outside of these gloves are covered in baby poop and you do the normal thing that people do to take them off, they grab their arm and slide up. Now you've just smeared baby poop all over. You've pulled the glove off. Now you've got unprotected fingers grabbing it over here. Okay, that's not going to work out for you. I got another good comment from Donna Joe. Glad somebody's covering this. I'm seeing a lot of cross contamination just watching people in stores. Absolutely and it absolutely, it puts you at more risk. And that's really why I'm talking about this. I don't want to scare you, but I want you to know how to do it properly so you don't get a false sense of security. So when it's time to take off your gloves, here's the easiest way that I've found. I'm going to take a gloved hand, pinch the back of my glove, so I'm covering baby poop with baby poop, and I pull the glove about halfway off. And notice that I'm turning the glove inside out. What that's doing is all the contamination is getting trapped inside. Now with my protected fingers, I do the same thing with this glove. Notice I'm not slinging it everywhere because baby poop everywhere. All right, so slow, gentle movements. And now I'm taking this glove and I'm putting it inside that glove. Now I'm reaching on the inside of the glove. And now what I've done is I've turned the gloves inside out and all the contamination is inside the glove, okay? So everything that I was trying to keep off of me is now safely inside the glove, not out here where it can hurt me. And here's the most important step. I immediately throw this into the garbage. Don't throw it on the ground. If you go outside of a department store or grocery store now, you will see gloves and respirator masks everywhere, okay? These things are now contaminated. And if you just throw them on the ground, they become a source to spread contamination. So don't do that. When you take them off, put them directly into the trash. Okay? So that's gloves. We're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about respirators. So uh, hang on through the break, and we'll be right back.
we're back. I'm putting more gloves on. I know I'm not close enough so you can't really see my hands, but oh, you can see a little bit on my arm. It is pretty uh, grotesque. So putting on my gloves. And the reason I'm doing this, your skin is an excellent barrier to protect you from infection. But when your skin is broken like mine is with blisters, you lose that advantage. So I am covering the exposed portions of my hands so that I'm protected from infection. All right, that's not very comfortable, but it works. All right, so like I said, we're gonna talk about respirators now. And respirators come in a lot of different forms and shapes and sizes, and they do a lot of different things. And, uh, yep, sorry, wrong mouse. If you want to know about them, OSHA has a webpage set up specifically for respiratory protection for COVID-19. Uh, and you can find it very quickly. Just type in OSHA COVID-19 in your web browser, and it'll bring you to this page. And what there is on this page is a discussion of different types of respirators, how to wear them, who needs to wear them, how to put them in, what the standards are, information on how to use them, and a lot of additional resources. It's a one-stop page that gets you to a lot of different pages on how to wear respirators. So what I wanna do right now is kinda of take you through that um, and take away some of the jargon and just make it really straightforward and simple. So, uh, got a comment from George about uh, wearing gloves and he says that's just common sense even if you're wearing, even if you're not wearing gloves, and it is. As a matter of fact, until I got the blisters on my hands, I wasn't wearing gloves in public because I knew how to take care of things. Uh, when I go to the grocery store, they have disinfectant. I wipe down the cart. Incidentally, if you read the label on most disinfectants, in disinfectants, it tells you that it needs to stay wet for a certain period of time. So if you're taking the wipe, wiping it over there, throwing the wipe away and calling it done, you're not getting a good cleaning of the cart, okay? So take the wipe, wipe it down, and spend 20 to 30 seconds, just like you spend on washing your hands, wiping down every part of the cart that may come into contact with you or your groceries. And that includes the basket. Keep doing that, and then you're gonna get maximum disinfection. Uh, don't get me wrong, a quick wipe is better than nothing, but if you truly want to disinfect it, you need to take the amount of time as necessary to get it clean. All right, so getting back to respiratory protection, the whole idea of a respirator is that there's stuff in the air that's bad and we wanna filter it out before it gets into our lungs. Now here's the thing that we need to be aware of. The size of the COVID-19 virus is about one micron. If you're using the cloth filters that people are sewing and the other uh, improvised filters, you need to understand that that's pretty much like pouring sand through a screen door. Most of the sand is gonna get through because the sand is so small. Now, understand I'm not saying that that's worthless. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is there's going to be some virus getting through that cloth mask. So I don't want you to have a false sense of security that you put this mask on, you think, 
I'm good, I'm great, I can go anywhere, I can do anything, I don't have to worry about my social distancing anymore. That's not the case, all right? The mask works most effectively if you're already doing what you're supposed to do for social distancing. So don't expect just because you're putting on a mask that you are protected from any exposure to the virus. It helps, but it's not 100%. So the other thing that we'll start off talking about is surgical masks. I see a lot of people walking around in surgical masks. The problem with that is yes, it does provide some protection, but it's designed more to protect other people from you. Surgeons wear surgical masks, nurses wear surgical masks, so in case they have any sort of infection, they don't get it into the patient who's lying spread open on the table, okay? They're not designed to protect the wearer. They're designed to protect the people around the wearer. Again, you will get some protection, but it's not 100%. So in my opinion, and this is just me talking, surgical masks should be reserved for medical healthcare professionals because they need them. They need them badly. And if we're using them out here, that's less that they have in the hospitals and the doctor's office. So in general, I'm not a big fan of people wearing surgical masks. So the next step up are the dust and uh, particulate respirators that we normally see used in people working in uh, construction or in dusty areas. There's two different levels of those. One is just a standard dust mask. It usually has one strap going around the back. There may or may not be a nose clip to uh, fasten it to your face. And uh, it's basically called a nuisance dust filter. This is of limited value in protecting you from the virus. Again, if you're practicing your social distancing, then it's going to give you some benefit. But if you're not, it's probably not going to help you all that much. The reason being, it's not forming a seal to your face, okay? And I'm not touching my face, I'm staying away from it. it, if it and if it doesn't form that seal, then every time you breathe in, air is coming around the mask and it's not all getting filtered. So this, this type of mask has a very low protection factor. One of the things that OSHA did, and if you go onto their website, you can see it, is they assign protection factors for the different types of respirators. And these are in general, how effective are they going to be when you use them? So the assigned protection factor for a nuisance dust mask is about 10. Uh, used to be two, they've bumped it up a little bit. And that is for particulates of a certain size. The COVID virus is a little bit smaller than the particulate size. So the protection factor, there've been a couple of studies and they're thinking somewhere around two. And that means that you reduce your exposure by a factor of two. So for example, if there's 10,000 viruses in the air you breathe in, you're only gonna breathe in 5,000, okay? 5,000 virus, that sounds like too much for me. That's why I'm saying we still want our social distancing. The N95 respirator is a little bit different. The N95 respirator is still a dust filter, it's still a dust mask, but it's got two straps instead of one. Now what that does is you hook one strap up high, one strap up low, and now the respirator is form-fitting to your face. It's not a tight seal, but it's forming a better seal to your face. You pinch the nose clip down to conform it around your nose and your cheeks, and now you're getting much better filtration. 
OSHA has not officially, that I know of, assigned a protection factor for the N95, um, but they're leaning towards 10 to uh, somewhere between 10 and 100. I just went through some of the standards to look at those, but there is a protection factor. It does help, but it's not 100%. Now, if you want 100% protection, now you need to start getting into what's referred to as an air purifying respirator or a powered air purifying respirator. We all, you also hear those called P100s. And what these are is a full face or a half face respirator that seals either all the way around your face or just around your nose and mouth. And it forms a tight seal to your face so that nothing goes around the edges. Now, in order to wear these, you have to have a fit test, you have to go through training, um, and uh, you have to be medically qualified in accordance with OSHA. If you buy one at Home Depot, which until a few weeks ago you could, um, obviously you wouldn't go through all that, but you still need to know the proper way to put it on and take it off. The first thing is a respirator that you're not wearing is not doing you any good, okay? So if you pull the dust mask down because you want to talk to somebody or you want to smoke a cigarette or vape or eat or drink or whatever you want to do, if it's not on you, it's not protecting you. Okay. And there's no such thing as breathe in, hold my breath, eat a couple of chips, put it back on. Nope. That don't work. Okay. If you take the mask off, you've lost its protection. So if you're going to wear a respirator, you need to wear it. Okay. Even if it's just a dust filter. Second thing, see this? That interferes with the sealing surface. If you have a beard, if you have facial hair, then the respirator is not going to seal onto your face and you're going to get leakage around the sides, which is going to reduce its effectiveness. So if you want to wear a respirator and get full protection, the beard has to go. Uh, interesting story, when I came into the Navy in 1984, beards were still allowed for sailors. It goes back to the earliest traditions of the Navy. Sailors had beards and it was one of the few branches of the military that still allowed beards. And when I got out of boot camp and started my first uh, training, they came out with the uh, instruction, and this was late 84, early 85, that because of concerns about chemical and biological warfare, Navy men were no longer to have beards, no longer allowed to have beards. And that was it was a really big deal because it was part of the Navy tradition. And uh, so everybody had to shave. Didn't really affect me because I was, I just gotten out of boot camp. You're not allowed to have a beard in boot camp. So I didn't have a beard. Uh, I've had a beard almost continuously since I got out of the Navy. And I'm sure that has nothing to do with it. So no beards, leave the respirator on. And when you go to take it off, Again, consider that the outside of the respirator has COVID-19 virus all over it. Or if you want to think about it, baby poop. It's covered in baby poop. So what does that mean? It means when you go to take it off, you want to have some gloves on. If you don't have gloves on, what are you going to do? You're going to have to wash your hands. Okay. When you take the respirator off, whether it's a dust mask or a P100 or whatever it is, pull it away from your face and off. If you go like this, you're just taking whatever was on the outside of the mask and you're just taking a shower in it. So pull it straight off and again, right into the garbage. Okay. All right. So that's personal protective equipment. 
again, I've been wearing this stuff and teaching people to wear this stuff for about 30, 35 years. Um, so I do have a little bit of background in this. Um, last thing we're going to talk about is washing your hands. Okay. When you wash your hands, if you haven't seen these yet already, you want to take about 20 seconds. Okay. Minimum. And in that 20 seconds, you want to spend five minutes on your palm, five seconds on your palms, five seconds on the back of your hands, five seconds in between your fingers, and then make sure that you've gotten your hands clean, rinse, and that's a good washing of your hands. Anytime that you've gone outside and you've interacted with people, even if it's at social distancing, if you've grabbed a handle of a cart, shopping cart, uh, carried groceries into the house, you need to wash your hands. And again, full 20 seconds. Make sure that you get your hands nice and clean so that you don't contaminate yourself or your house. All right, so got one more message from Jim. Jim said that was a great message. The really great message is when I beat your score. Jim currently has the lead in our Miss Pac-Man challenge. Um, I'm not sure which score counts, his first score or his second or third attempt, but uh, we'll be doing that here in a few minutes. And we'll also have the after show podcast. Uh, glad you've been here. Thanks for all the questions and the comments. If you have any questions, like I said, we'll be doing the after show podcast here in a couple of minutes and we'll have plenty of time for conversation. If you want to know more about my background, some of the things I've seen and done, you know, I'll be happy to tell you. Um, so we'll be doing that uh, again. This is the last show for the week. So our broadcast week is done. We'll be back on Monday with more Morning in the Mountains. We'll have Kira here on Monday. Then we'll have Santa and Mrs. Santa telling stories on Tuesday. Jim and James will be here on Wednesday with the entertainment update. We'll have Frank in studio on Thursday, and that's always a hoot. We never know what's going to happen there. Frank and Kira will be here. And then I'll be back again next Friday and have no idea what we'll talk about, but I'm sure something will come up because it always does. All right, thanks for watching. Again, if you didn't catch the whole show, it will be on Facebook Live, Roku, uh, YouTube, and the podcast will be coming up in a minute. I hope you hang out. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week.